Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to episode 12 of SFF Addicts, a bi-weekly panel podcast featuring writers from fanfiatic.com, authors, publishing professionals, bloggers, and more, where we come together to chat about science fiction and fantasy, as well as the occasional jaunt into the wider SFF industry. I'm your host, Adrian M. Gibson, and this week we're judging books by their covers, discussing SFF cover art and design with artists Daniel Dutchu, Alyssa Winans, Felix Ortiz, and Priscilla Kim, as well as self-pub author and cover artist slash designer, Luke Tarzian. As a former tattoo artist, this was a beautiful convergence of the things that I love. On one hand, science fiction and fantasy literature, and on the other, art. These artists offered up incredible insights on their artistic processes, working with book publishers, how to promote yourself, and much, much more. Now, before we jump into the panel, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the amazing folks at The Broken Binding. They live to serve all of your fantasy and sci-fi needs with signed books, reprints, and the most amazing gift wrapping you could ever ask for. Make sure to visit them at thebrokenbinding.co.uk and use the promo code FANFI, F-A-N-F-I, for 5% off your next order. All right, now on to the panel. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the podcast, where we're doing a panel on science fiction and fantasy cover art and cover design. And today I have an amazing cast of guests. Uh, I'm very happy you could all join me. Uh, Starting off, we have Daniel Dochu. He's an award-winning sci-fi and fantasy artist in the entertainment industry, who's also worked as an art director and concept artist for some of the most prominent video game publishers and developers, including Guild Wars, which Felix and I were talking about earlier. And we love that game. Um, he's also done freelance work for publications, advertising, film, and more. So thank you for being here, Daniel. How are you? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Looking forward to our chat. Uh, me too. Thank you so much. And next on the panel is Alyssa Winans. She's an illustrator, animator, and game artist who currently works for the Google Doodle team. She's also done work for clients such as Harmonix, Tor Books, Tor.com Publishing, Warner Animation Group, and more. Happy to have you here, Alyssa. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thank you too. And also joining us is Felix Ortiz. He's a graphic designer and digital artist whose work has graced the covers of numerous fantasy and science fiction books, both traditionally published and self-published. So glad to have you on the panel, Felix. My pleasure. And next is Priscilla Kim. She's an illustrator and concept artist with a focus on covers and portraiture. Some of her past clients include Tor.com, Fantasy Flight, Uncanny Magazine, XPRIZE, and more. She also has a deep love for games and books, particularly sci-fi and fantasy, so you're in the right place, Priscilla. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. And finally, we have Luke Tarzian. He's a self-published fantasy author and freelance cover artist and book designer. He's best known for his novel Vultures, book one in the Shadow Twin series as well as the adjacent monster series, including the World Maker Parable and the recently released The World Breaker Requiem, 
uh, just because of when we're recording this podcast. It's not actually out yet, but it will be by the time the episode is released. So thank you for joining us, Luke, and congratulations on the release of your new book. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> Why is that, man? Apologize to your fans. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen my Twitter presence? You're a beautiful mess, and I love it. <laughs> I, I got right, a well, human character. Exactly, man. Well, I'm happy to have you all here, and I'm very excited to discuss cover art and cover design. As a former tattoo artist, I love art, but you know, as a writer, I also love science fiction and fantasy, so it's great to see how these two artistic, creative forms of expression converge. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing all of your perspectives. Um, so starting off, we'll get everyone to say a little bit more about themselves, as well as your respective art styles and what art means to you as a form of expression. So Daniel, we'll start with you. Oh, my. Uh, well, uh, I, I was uh, born and grew up in uh, Transylvania. Uh, so uh, dig up all your uh, Dracula uh, <laughs> jokes, and I challenge to come up with one that I haven't heard yet. Uh, I uh, studied uh, um, industrial design, worked as a product designer, then went into teaching back uh, in the old country at the same school that I graduated from. Then in the summer of 89, uh, uh, moved to, got out of uh, uh, the country. It was right before the fall of the Iron Curtain and and managed to get out and spent almost two years in Athens, Greece, uh, working um, as a graphic designer for a science company until we finally got uh, accepted as political refugees by the U.S. Uh, moved here in, in late 1990 and uh, 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 you know, for, after a couple of years of working as a toy designer, uh, finally got into video games, and I've been working as an art director in, in video games uh, uh, ever since 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 '93. Uh, yeah, uh, worked for a number of publishers, developers. Uh, you know, a, a long list of of titles. Some more. Uh, successful than others, and occasionally do freelance, whether for for film or book covers or whatever, you know, clients uh, throw my way. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about your art style? If you could uh, explain a little bit about how you approach um, the art that you create. Oh my, how much time do you have? Style is something <laughs> that I, 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 I can talk podcast. to your head off. And uh, um, I have a rather, you know, unorthodox or, or potentially unpopular uh, position on style. I believe that style should be uh, kind of the, the organic expression of content. It should not be something that you kind of fabricate or invent or, 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 or uh, you know, fully, fully, uh, fully calcify ahead of time, but rather, you know, uh, uh, allow the, the content as it evolves uh, 
during the development cycle. Of, and I refer in particular to video games, which have a long development cycle. So a lot of variables, people come and go, the, the uh, components of the team changes, the, the talent on the team, uh, you know, uh, moves around and all of that should be allowed to to uh, influence the outcome. I, I um, use this analogy a lot. I I, I compare uh, the an art style with a with a crust of an artisanal cheese, where you know the ingredients, the milk, the fat, the, the herbs that go into into the cheese, uh, uh, you know, matters. Uh, a, a lot, but so does the the environment, uh, the temperature of the cave where it's where it's aged and the humidity and all of that. So it's where content meets the the the, the context. That's you know that's what I I uh, that's how I think about style rather than you know here's the guys mixing whatever ingredients they can find and here's the marketing team in the other end of the you know figuring out the colorful graphics and silk screen them on a plastic uh, balloon and then you know pour the pour the mix into the balloon and they they, they call it uh, they call it cheese uh, you know that's that's the commercial approach to to style it's it's reversed engineering engineered from marketing considerations and i i'm I'm not much of a fan of that approach so from your perspective it's more like everything is constantly in conversation with each other and all of it coming together in a in a a natural organic exactly you know yeah fermenting so to say yeah (laughs) it's why i don't believe in and never have uh, used or put in place uh, style guides or, or style bibles because that right. that would entail having it all figured out ahead of time and all of it coming being the result of one creative mind and I don't I don't believe there's one singular or with maybe extremely rare exceptions one, one singular uh, visionary capable of of a vision as rich and uh, complex and deep as you know if you allow multiple contributors to the process yeah i like that and priscilla in do you want to let listeners know a little bit more about you and then how you approach art and tell them a little bit about your style as well sure uh well so i started off actually as an associate producer in games um worked there at ccp for or so years before the studio got shut down. Um, and then from there, I moonlighted a little bit in animation and then uh, went into slot machine art and then started freelancing. Um, kind of jumped in and out from full time freelancing to doing like day job slot machine stuff and basically lots of eggs in different baskets, freelancing conventions, uh, slot machine things, and whatnot. Uh, so I've never really come to school for art per se, but I've also taken too many online courses and that sort of really call myself <laughs> self-taught. But uh, that's the um, best as way far to do as things. my yeah, <laughs> as far as my style goes, uh, I guess it's one of those things where I have things that I 
kind of like what um, Daniel was saying. It's just sort of the thing that shakes out from what I'm interested in. So I basically have just made the stuff that popped into my head and I was interested in and had goals for each individual piece that I've done. And I guess my style of whatever came out of that at the end when I have a body of work. There is a certain amount of guiding, I guess, because I do have somewhat eclectic interests and sometimes that expresses itself in um, different outcomes, I guess. <laughs> but that's that's all me. It's just a matter of what I present as far as this is the kind of stuff that I do when I like to do book covers and this is the kind of stuff that I do when I like to do game illustration and that sort of thing. Or, you know, RPG character art or whatever. Yeah. And all the while staying flexible and, and letting your your expression take its truest form, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do um generally tend to focus on fantasy realism stuff just because I like, I like magic and I like weapons and um slightly medieval historical fantasy stuff. Uh and I really like the sort of delicacy and subtlety that you can get with realism, um, especially in terms of lighting and uh, skin tone and uh, anatomy and all that. Yeah. And that's where something like portraiture comes in too, where there's a bit of, yes, there's yeah. a lot of focus on, on the face. And exactly. yeah, also like your use of colors is, is really nice too, because it's not, oh, thank you. not like so bland as a lot of, um, a, a lot of realism can get into bland territory depending on the color palette, but you know, your inclusion of fantasy elements really brightens things up. So cool. I and do like um, my glowy stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Felix, what about you? If you could introduce yourself a little bit and then get into your style. Uh, yeah, my name is Felix. Um, my style, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to kind of define it, but it's, it feels fairly traditional. I feel like I was formed by D&D, anime, and Frasetta, basically, back in the 80s. Um, and then, uh, you know, the D&D artists like Keith Parkinson and Jeff Easley and all these guys from back then, Brom, they, they, that's kind of the base for, my, for me. And plus, that plus anime and, and, and you know, Frasetta was, it's, it's the, he's a god, right? So I feel like from then, um, from then, from then uh, I was a teenager, but um, I didn't, that was not my career all this time. I was a graphic designer. I became an illustrator for real only a few years ago when I started doing um, cover, cover art for, um, you know, the people you know, uh, uh, Rob Hayes and Michael Fletcher, all these guys who are indie, indie publishers. And uh, I got there through Facebook, basically, doing Grim, uh, the Grim Dark group, uh, readers, and, uh, readers and Writers, I think it's called. And I started posting just like fan art and stuff. And then people started hiring me. And it, it's been kind of slow, but now I'm booked pretty much all the time. So it's, that's, that's kind of my very quick overview. Um, I never stopped drawing, but I, was, I didn't take it seriously until, until 2014, maybe. Something like that. That's when I really jumped in. I quit my job, spent like six months just drawing. Then spent all my money, right? Because that's what happens. Then went back to work, but then I, I kind of balanced it. You know, at night I paint, the day I work, and and yeah, that that's pretty much it. After that, I kind of have a steady flow. Hmm. But it's beautiful because your story involves the um, indie authors 
contracting and boosting an indie cover artist. And it's just this nice back and forth where, you know, the self-published people, the indie people are boosting each other up, you know, to the point where Felix is going to start working for traditional publishers and leave the indies behind now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I did a couple for tour, but I feel like at the time that was a couple of years ago, I feel like you skills, your skill goes kind of like that. And I feel like, I, you know, I need a little more polishing before I feel like maybe next year I'll try again and show portfolio. That was out of nowhere. Actually, they, they just contacted me. Um, but I feel like to get like a steady traditional work, I'll have to maybe pitch more and sharpen a little more my style and, you know, work a little harder. But uh, yeah, it's it's an eventuality, I feel like. The trajectory is there, so, so nice. it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, Alyssa, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Illinois, and I studied illustration in school. Went to school out in Rhode Island. Um, now I live in California, where there's like, no winter, where I am, which is weird. Um, I've been in the industry for about 10 years now, and like we mentioned before, I did get my start in games. Worked on console games for a few years, and then went to mobile and now I guess I still sort of work in games with my day job on doodles, although like web games and I'm never quite sure <laughs> whether people consider those real games or not. Um, but I haven't been doing book covers that long, actually. I've only been doing them since 2018. So still relatively new, uh, but enjoying it a lot. In terms of style, I'm probably a lot flatter than a lot of art that you see in the fantasy sci-fi world, or at least um, that's my perception of it. I don't know why I work that way. I think it's probably the influence of when I was working in games, I'd work on a lot of different projects, which would have different styles. Um, So I think that some of that influence has kind of brought me to where I am today. So I work kind of in a more flat, very highly colorful style, like Priscilla. Love the colors. Um, So that's probably how I would describe how I work. So that's me. And and a little bit more um, stylistic, you know? away from realism and more towards a a lot more stylized. Mm -hmm. And I especially love the covers that you did for uh, Nevo's novellas. I can't remember the name of the series, but I think the the Empress of Salt and yeah, the the Empress of Salt and Fortune was a really, really, really nice cover. And then when the tiger comes down the mountain or came down the mountain, I think it's called. Yeah. But uh, listeners, viewers go check out those covers because they're super cool. Thank you. And uh, Luke, if you could uh, tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and then uh, your artistic style and your approach to to design. Yeah, um, I'm Luke. I primarily write fantasy. Um, I actually got my my background is actually in art. That's what I studied in school for a while. And then once I got to college, I stopped doing it for whatever reason and focused primarily on writing. Um, I didn't really pick illustration up again until after I graduated college and I don't think I don't I didn't really seriously get back into art until probably a couple of years ago when I was getting ready to self-publish vultures um I mean I I, it was one of those things I sort of figured hey I can do my own cover art save money that way and people ended up liking the stuff that I did it was weird it wasn't um 
it wasn't really traditional. And so I guess uh, a lot of my style is just, I like, I like stuff that's uh, sort of suggestive as opposed to like something that's completely detailed. Um, and that's, I think I get that uh, from my writing process as well. I'm sort of sparse with things. I like to leave it up to the imagination. Um, but what the, a lot of the stuff I've been working on lately, um, for whatever reason, I got back into reading the Sandman graphic novels. So there was this weird sort of mashup of like the Dave McCain style with the, uh, the tarot cards from Dragon Age Inquisition. Nice. Yeah, the art style on that video game is beautiful as well. Yeah. And and Luke, um, since we're on you, you know, since you're also an author, mm-hmm. how do you feel, um, you know, compare and contrast between being able to express yourself visually as well as textually through the words that you write? Yeah, um, <laughs> I like, you know, it, the thing I like about doing the cover art um, is that I, I feel like hyper hyper uh oh my god what's the word (laughs) i have a very specific image for things and so it's for my own stuff it's very pleasing to be able to actually yank that out of my head um i mean i don't know what else to say besides that i think it's in some ways (laughs) it can be a little jarring considering the stuff that comes out of my head when i write and so seeing some of that manifest visually is definitely a little weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But it's a cool feeling though, just being yeah. able to, um, yeah, like you say, pluck ideas from your head and then create it and have it be a physical thing, you know, yeah, a physical expression of, of, of that idea. And I wanted to get everyone's um, first experiences with doing a book cover you know, what that process was like, but also how it felt to do, to do a cover for the first time. Uh, so Daniel, we'll start with, we'll start with you on that one. Well, um, you caught me unprepared for this question. I, I'm, I can't, apologies. uh, I can't remember, uh, the very first cover I did. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was for, for Tor. Uh, Irene Gallo was the art director, and I, I did uh, you know a, a few more than a handful of covers for her, but I can't remember to save my life which which was the first one. Uh, it's okay. But how was the experience for you of working with a publisher? It was very very um, smooth. Uh, you know, I've I've been very fortunate to work with art directors who are, you know, very very hands off, and uh, I made it. I I explained my process uh, ahead of time before you know shaking hands, and I explained that I don't do sketches. I don't. Uh, none of that. It's like, you know, you, you kind of give me a, a, a solid, uh, eloquent, creative brief enough to trigger, uh, you know, uh, rich Im- imagery. And then, uh, um, you know, 
I do it and I send it in. And uh, if you like it, you pay me. If you don't, it's just it's uh, I'm fine and I'll just add it to my portfolio. But I don't I don't uh, engage in the that back and forth. Uh, I simply don't have the time, and, and I, I find it kind of, uh, you know, drags me down, bogs me down creatively. Uh, so I've been very, very, again, uh, lucky to work with art directors uh, like um, Irene or uh, Lauren Panepinto over at Orbit, who just kind of, you know, hey, did. Are you up for another cover? Yes. Uh, here's the deadline. Here's the you know the a, a, a paragraph. It's all we have at the moment, and go for it. And so that's amazing. But uh, it sounds like your your approach takes the creative inspiration to its fullest potential based on what your process is like. You know, avoiding the back and forth of sketches and this is my idea, trying to sort of use the sketches as a way to potentially pitch them on ideas. It's like, no, I'm just going to go for it. And well, I, I, I think that uh, the art directors I've worked with uh, felt, uh, felt uh, themselves lucky that I wasn't, I wasn't requesting much input from them because, uh, you know, almost without exception, they, they commissioned these these covers when before the book was written, you know. So they really have n next to nothing to base their input on, you know. Uh, you know, uh, at best they'll squeeze a, a couple of sentences out of the writer, or you know, a few lines of dialogue. Well, <laughs> make the best out of that, and I I think uh, they feel you know, uh, relieved that I'm not uh, pestering them with with uh, requests for additional information. And they just, you know, go to your room and doodle uh, kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know, co come out when it's dinner time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, I mean, the, the one, the one uh, experience that was the complete polar opposite was, you know, were a couple of uh, covers I did for National Geographic. Uh, and that, that, that was, you know, something else. I mean, more, more cooks in the kitchen that you can think of and, you know, all <laughs> kinds of historians and scientists and everybody have their own, you know, two cents and, and think that their, their branch of science is the most important and they, they want those uh, little aspects to make sure that are, uh, you know, brought to the forefront in the, in the cover. And it was like... All of it just killing the creativity. It, it was more, uh, you know, creativity. The, the creative process was, at the end of the day, uh, the result of you know designed by committee so that that aside just just the the stress and of the back and forth and and, and you know trying to make sure everybody is happy with the result not not necessarily from an you know emotional resonance standpoint but from you know the accuracy of the information that was conveyed in the image 
So. Yeah, well, it is, it is National Geographic, so they want to have the most scientifically accurate art they can possibly Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, just as an example, you know, this helmet of a warrior, and uh, <laughs> so the, the warrior wears a helmet and the, has these plumes, and there's this one sci scientist who specializes in dying technology and, in, in you know, whatever... Uh, 10th century or, or whatever, and, you know, he makes sure that the hue of red that I'm using is, is achievable through vegetal, uh, vegetal dyeing processes. And, you know, your red is a little off. Oh, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but that, that, that kind of level of attention to the detail from multiple scientists that have very narrow areas of expertise and they all you know converge and you have to to make sure everything is is represented to their to their liking mm -hmm. with something else it That's pays well though so yeah. at the end of the day uh, you know <laughs> i can complain and i i signed up for a second one and uh, yeah amazing and Alyssa, uh you know in contrast to the craziness of national geographic what was your first book cover experience like uh definitely sounds more straightforward than that um <laughs> so i think this is the first one that came i did a cover for an illusion of thieves by kate glass back in i think it came out later but i was working on it in 2018 and that was with tour books and the art director was irene gallo and I was terrified because I hadn't done a book cover before. Um, but luckily I'd sort of been, and actually didn't do a lot of freelance illustration at that time anyway. I, I had tried to, but all of my work pretty much came from either my game jobs or even, you know, through those jobs, game freelance work. Um, but I've been kind of eased into it because I've been doing some digital covers for Tor.com and working with the same art director. So I kind of had a little idea of what to expect, but actually I found it, kind of relaxing so my day job actually i don't think it's quite as intense as national geographic but there are a lot of different stakeholders involved in the kind of work that we do there and i'm sort of the person who has to sort of manage all that different feedback and figure out what's important and, and sort through that um so it's kind of nice actually working on book covers where you know i had a great art director who managed all of that feedback that was probably coming in behind the scenes and giving me just straightforward um feedback so i didn't have to do all that sorting so it was kind of like oh actually this is a little bit more relaxing ultimately than my day job um but generally i i enjoy that process even through different art directors and different projects so yeah that's good i mean you have that you know, day job uh freelance contrast and you're able to i guess appreciate the the positives of of both sides just based on the fact that you have this this difference in in how the project works and how you can approach it. Definitely. Cool. And Felix, what about you? What was your first uh, book cover? My, f my first, my first one was actually uh, a free cover, but so I guess uh, let's start with that one. Uh, the, the first one I, I, I thought I, I could potentially do an illustration just, you know, so I, I wrote on the, that group, Facebook group, right? I want to get into this. I'm going to, Whoever writes me first, I'll do a cover for them for free, just like that. And 
And so uh, Timandra Whitecastle, she wrote me on Facebook. And so I did a, you know, what at the time, what the best I could, I could do. Uh, it's still around somewhere. Um, it's, I think it's called Blood, Blood Witch or Bloodstone Witch. I feel like it is. And uh, that was for free. But paid was, um, was oh, my God, uh, Truth or Darkness. I think it was called. And the thing with, at, when I started, I didn't have any other commissions. I, had, I didn't have kids back then. I had all the time in the world. So I charged very little and spent like a whole month in the, like at night, you know, after work, just like, what should I do? I did like three versions, you know, uh, I'm like super insecure in what I'm doing. I, I kind of know how to draw and I kind of feel like I know what's going to be good or bad, but you don't have the, the muscle memory. You don't have the experience you know, that counts for so much, you know, like knowing you don't have to think twice about anything, just do it. And, and so that I didn't have that yet. So it took forever. Um, but in the end, you know, I liked it. I still like it. I feel like if I, you know, look at it again. Um, but I mean, it was thrilling. And that was the first time I think I worked with, with Sean King also, who's a great designer. He does. So that um, was, I feel like that was probably the first that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Um, I think that was the first one. I, yeah. It, it was fun. It, it, you know, it was a lot of work, but I enjoyed every moment. And the author, all these indie authors, 99.9% of them have been great to me. I, I feel like I'm friends with them. You know, I, I chat with them often. And they're a cool, cool group, you know, in general. So it, I, I, I really like it. Yeah. And it's like I mentioned before, this um, sort of like indie community, everyone supporting each other, whether it's through the writing or through the art or like in the case of Sean, um, through typography and, um, and, and more of like the design of the cover on top of the art itself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, just from my interactions on Twitter, everyone's very welcoming to each other and supportive yeah. and it's really nice. They're goofballs and they're funny, you oh, know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially Michael Fletcher. He's a, he's a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He, he's like, I, I really consider him a friend, you know, yeah. at this point I've done like six, five, six covers for him, I think. So yeah, we, we have a relationship. Rob Hayes too. Yeah. And, uh, and a few others, Matt Larkin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Priscilla, what was your first uh, book cover experience like? My first book cover was for a role-playing game, actually, that I don't think ever actually came out, to be honest. So it's still sitting in my folder that will never be released. Um, <laughs> and I did a couple of other covers for different things, like a little bit of tutorial.com. I did a music album cover for a friend. Um, I think the first one that actually came out was probably a self-published cover, I want to say. Or maybe as a role playing one, but generally my generally my cover experiences have been pretty similar in that they're fairly smooth. Um, you know, sometimes there's some detail they they want to go with a different sketch than maybe the one I would have preferred, but it's their cover. Um, I did, admittedly, even from the very beginning, put in the uh, three revision rounds clause, so that probably helps avoid some <laughs> of the horror stories I've heard from other yeah. artists. 
like way too much back and forth yeah but i mean it's been it's been pretty good generally really chill awesome and luke what about you do you remember your first uh book cover experience well i guess in your case it was your own book correct yeah i so it's i have i guess i technically had three first cover experiences um so and this sort of ties into my decision to self-publish um so my mom actually passed away a few years ago from leukemia and when she was diagnosed um it was very sudden and my mom had always been like my biggest supporter as uh, of, of my writing we read a lot of the same books and um so my whole thing was you know i want my mom to be able to like hold a physical copy of my book and so that's sort of where the uh decision to self-publish came and that's sort of where the cover art tied into and so i did a a mock-up for shadow twins vultures and i got them printed the book wasn't even finished yet but um so i, I have it's fuck i have the uh the early cover sitting on my bookshelf in my office um and i have my my first first cover following that was the uh the actual release for vultures um and i think i threw that one together maybe a week or two before it was supposed to come out i'd had a previous cover and i'm super ocd about everything so i was like you know i i had seen something and thought i don't like my old cover anymore i'm just gonna change it because why not um i ended up changing pictures three times but that's neither here nor there um <laughs> but fast forwarding um so my actual my first paid cover I believe I did last December. It was for a self-published title, um, Dark Oak by Jacob Sanix. And he'd been referred to me through um, another self-published author. And so we, we kind of chatted back and forth about my style, what he was looking to do, which was a rebrand for his series. Um, and I, I'd say going into it, I was pretty confident, but once I actually got into like actually doing the art, it was like, like, okay, I'm doing this for somebody else now. So I'm going to just freak out mentally for a while. <laughs> Cause I think it's, it's, it's definitely a different feeling. It's not as, I guess for me, it wasn't as leisurely doing a cover for somebody else as it was for myself initially. Um, but luckily it worked out. Um, there wasn't a lot of back and forth. Um, I have a similar process to Daniel where I don't, I don't go into anything. I don't do sketches, say, you know, give me the brief and then, you know, we'll see what happens. Like a lot of my process is very just throw the paint on the canvas and see what happens and um, just communicate with the author as I'm going through it. That way we can make any changes along the way as necessary. Right. And uh, Luke, you, you just touched on sort of like your experiences with um, self-publishing authors and, and doing commissions. Felix, do you want to get in on this as well? We're going to dig into some of the nitty gritty of, of SFF publishing and, and, and book covers and stuff like that. But do you want to elaborate on, on what Luke said about um, your experiences with how, uh, how a project with a self-published author uh usually starts or at least a couple of uh yeah. examples yeah it's very it's, it's it's very it's very straightforward and it's person to person there's you know no in, intermediate or anything like that and 
So uh, the, I usually get an email. I ask a few questions. I genera, um, what do you have any samples of things you like or, or from me or other people? Doesn't matter. Or um, general, general idea, like three characters fighting or a dragon or whatever. Then uh, I start asking questions. Sometimes they send me really long briefs, which is fine, you know. Sometimes very, very, very brief, and they I I, I ask questions, which I kind of prefer that way. Um, and then I do. I'm actually I, I do I do sketches. I do a couple, like two, three, maybe. Uh, and I always point to the one I like. I say this these three might work, but this is the one I want to do. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Just very, very, uh, very determined. Like I like this one. Choose this one. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I tell them sometimes it's I don't know. Maybe they'll say like, oh, but make it make it red or make it big or whatever. Like I'll do it because you're paying me, but I, I'm not gonna like it. You know, <laughs> I tell them I don't think it works. I don't think it works. I'll do it, but so big. But because these people are are you know you can you can talk to to clients like that if you if you have like a good communication, you know, that you're doing it for them too, in a way you, you're putting your expertise there. So, so they kind of, maybe they'll change their mind. Who knows? Um, but yeah, after the sketch, it's just, I do the back and forth also. <laughs> I do sketches and I do, you know, uh, I start cause I don't want people to change their mind halfway, you know, or, or at the end when I'm done and, and suddenly, Oh, I don't know. Let's, Maybe we should have added that dragon in the background. You know, it's like, damn it, dragons, really? Like, so that's a lot, right? So that's like a, a big change. So I like to sort of every so often when I think it's it's a good, like a good, um, I say like a like a milestone or or I say like landmark or something, whatever, like a, a good spot to 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 show the client. Then I'll send an email like, hey, what do you think? And then. Um, I just keep going on and it usually I would say it takes me about a week maybe of that. Um it's hard to say with each because I work sometimes on two or three at a time, but I, I wanna say like a like a week if you if you squeeze all the hours. Um that's probably that's probably right. Um yeah, that's it's it's very it's very straightforward really. Mm-hmm. And does anyone else have some uh, experiences with uh, self-published or indie authors that they want to share? Sort of like how a project takes shape. If uh, Priscilla, you've done any any covers for self-published authors? I have, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think my experience is particularly different from Felix's. Uh, they will send me a description of what they're looking for. Um, oftentimes they send me a copy of the book as well and if i can i try to read at least some of it or um or they'll point out like a particular passage uh, of descriptions and whatnot mm-hmm. um and i uh, will do two or three sketches and uh point out like hey i think this one would work for actually particularly for authors that are doing a series um i'll try to point out that hey you kind of want to keep all of the covers fairly similar so that they look like they're part of a series. Right. Um, like I did a second cover or a couple covers for this one author. And so the first cover I did, you know, particularly whatever she liked. And then the second one I said, I'm giving you these other sketches as well, but I think we should probably go with this one because it's the most similar in terms of setup and um, composition to the first one. So it looks like it's 
you know, still part of the same thing. Yeah. Create a unified but visual they, style. They've all been chill. Yeah. Yeah. No. Actually, on that point, uh, Daniel, since, um, you know, I'm thinking specifically of the expanse, uh, how do you have your, um, project sort of taken shape? You touched on it a little bit earlier with Irene and Tor. Um, but also for something that's like a series and especially the expanse, which has nine, I believe it's nine books. So you've done nine covers for, for that series. How do you, how do you approach something like that? You know, where you have this unified visual style across all of the books. Um, but at the same time have a little bit more uniqueness to, to each, each cover. Uh, actually, uh, it was nine covers for the regular regular series, and and uh, then uh, nine more for the the collector's edition, right. which is a completely a, a different publisher. It's Subterranean, uh, and uh, the original series was was published by Orbit. Uh, but when they commissioned the first one, I had no idea that. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a series, nor did the authors. Uh, you know, they were basically, uh, you know, uh, planning on, on putting out the first book and, you know, sink or swim, see if it if it does well. And if it does, then they were going to follow up. And then, you know, one, one book, one book's success uh, led to the, uh, to the next one. Uh, so uh, there wasn't uh, any any planning uh, for 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 the series as a whole or for the you know stylistic unity uh, ahead of time. It, it the, the the unity the the stylistic consistency, if there is any, is is simply the expression of. Uh, me being the same, the same person with the same values, the same uh, kind of uh, likes and dislikes, and you know the same, as I put it, uh, the same itches to scratch. Uh, I, 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 I really look at artistic expression uh, as almost like a an, an irresistible. Uh, urge to 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 share your emotions or ideas or whatever and it's it's almost uh almost a, a physical sensation sensation almost kind which is why i compare it to a, a, an inch that you, you uh, have to scratch and uh that that you know i mean honest artistic expression uh reflects who you are and and you know you you evolve over time but over a relatively uh, short period of time you are more or less the same person therefore the the uh, your your output uh by, by itself sh you know shows consistency and and, and uh, unity so uh yeah there wasn't there wasn't any any uh, preliminary planning for you know, major success or or you know, the big uh, full bringing it full full circle or any of that. No. Yeah, and um, out of curiosity, did you do any of the artwork for? Because they have a ton of short stories and novellas within that series as well. Did you do any of the artwork for that as well? 
I did uh, uh, the cover for the collection of short stories. Uh, okay, the one that's coming out uh, next year. I think so. Uh, again, I uh, you know it was commissioned before they they put the book together. But but I I, I uh, remember vividly that the last one I did was was a collection of short stories they told me and you know literally what I had to work with were a few lines of dialogue and then like what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Um, the fact that the the artwork there's a, a, a you know a definite disconnect a, a, a definite uh, you know gap between uh, the Im- imagery on the cover and you know what the the uh, book talks about and ironically it it served the series well they 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 insisted that I keep doing it this way before i before i read the books because they found that it it was uh, uh the imagery on the the covers was intriguing and it was leading to speculation and people were kind of going you know after reading the book going back and trying to make sense of the the artwork on the cover and you know that that kept them kind of engaged and the the authors thought that uh, you know it it was it was more of a more of a plus than you know a, a minus so yeah yeah and and now that the the yeah. whole series is published eventually you'll you'll get around to to reading it and and piecing you know. together your artwork with uh, with the words in the pages <laughs> yeah great art you know great art is great art it'll catch you your eye no matter what so yeah and um i mean literally it's like do you judge a book by a cover by its cover or you know but for me personally i pick up a book a lot of the times based on the cover and if if the book inside actually satisfies me and and has me intrigued like you said daniel i'll go back and look at the cover compare the two Sometimes it doesn't match up, but it doesn't matter because both are intriguing and um, satisfying in their own particular ways, in their own right. Um, I, ha- I have a good sa- example of that. Uh, Kings of the Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. You know, you know this guy, Richard Anderson. He worked with you, Claptraps. Sure. He, uh, yeah, he's awesome, and the characters, some of them have no connection to the ones on, on the book they look completely different but the covers is awesome yeah the book is awesome and it completely makes sense you know uh, yeah i'm not surprised that there is no connection between the content and the artwork and in richard's case i mean i i I've, I've known richard since you know his first job out of school was working for me and uh, he was for the longest time a production artist, a 3D modeler, and doodling on the side and, and, you know, getting better and better. And at some point he said, you know what, I'm done with this. You know, I want to be a concept artist. And, you know, I said, okay, let's give that a shot. And he's, he's just incredible. He's, I, oh, I can't uh, uh, speak highly enough uh, of, of his talent. And, you know, yeah. uh, 
it, I also know his background. I mean, he comes from a small town in Montana with no, you know, art, artistic influence or no, you know, there was really not, nothing in, 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 in his uh, habitat that was conducive to, to his, his, him becoming what he was. I mean, he literally was telling stories that the, the school that he went with in you know, middle school was so small, they used to ride their horse to school and literally they had one of those the one of those wooden uh, things uh, like a fence in front like uh, like you see in the westerns like a saloon instead and of parking they, your bike they, you park your horses they tie the horse to that thing and go go in i mean and you know how in the world that guy evolved into you know one such such a, a, a powerful and, and uh, unique and you know s stylish uh, character I, I it blows my mind yeah but that's the power of the imagination and hard work a lot of it comes down to hard work you know and and felix uh, nick is a friend of mine and he loves richard's covers so it's like it doesn't oh, yeah. matter doesn't give a shit if it doesn't match up they're beautiful oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't, matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it's like capture the eye and then the words capture the soul, you know? Yeah. Like the words inside the book. Uh Alyssa, what about you? What's your uh do you want if you want to delve in a little bit more into your experiences with traditional publishers um and how sort of like projects begin and then take shape. But also um if you want to delve into a little bit how um how you approach a project and and decipher what kind of medium uh, best fits that particular one. Sure. Uh, so a lot of my projects have been fairly similar in setup. Um, the main difference tends to be whether I get the manuscript or not. Um, so for the ones that I don't get the manuscript, a lot of the times the art directors will have fairly specific briefs for me, at least in my experience. Um, have not experienced it getting, you know, a few lines of text situation. Um, so in those cases, usually I'm just trying to sort of match what they've got in their minds. So they've already figured out what they want, um, which is actually kind of good for me because if I don't have the manuscript, that's all I've got to go on. Um, so those are usually a little bit of a different kind of situation where I will, like Felix, I prefer to check in more frequently to make sure everybody's on the same page so there's no backtracking or Nobody is shocked when they've seen the color and they're like, why is it green? Um, Waste of time, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I will check in a little bit more in those cases just because I can tell that they want something specific. And so I want to be like, am I getting it? Is this what you're looking for? That kind of thing. Um, most of my projects, though, have been more open-ended. Well, they'll give me, give me the manuscript and they're like, think about it. Here's like some key like notes about like, what the character might look like or things like that. But otherwise, a lot of the times they're like, do what you will, which um, I actually really enjoy that. I, I love reading the manuscripts. I love the, the projects where I get to do that. Um, fortunately, I've never had a rush job where I wasn't able to have the time to read it if it was given it. So um, I've always had enough time to both read, digest, and usually go back and kind of start pulling out the things that I think are important. Um, a lot of the narratives that I've been given aren't they're literal, right? They're stories, but 
you could tell the author was trying to say other things in their stories. Um, a lot of my novella projects have been sort of that way. So the second time I go through, what I try to do is figure out themes um, of what I think is important more so than, you know, matching looks or things like that. Just figure out like the general vibe, the kind of tone that I think a reader might like to see to get a sense of like, hey, if I open this book, am I going to be like really shocked based on what I saw on the cover? Just trying to sort of match those expectations. So those are things that are going through my mind as I read and um, start thinking about these things. And then I also do sketches, usually three, send them in, see what kind of comes back, um, and then go from there. When I'm working with those more open-ended projects, I will just do one more check-in, which is just color, because I'm very into the color. It can be a lot, um, especially if you're used to working with folks that are coming from a little more restrained uh, art styles. So I just want to make sure that, you know, especially when the fact is like books are to sell books and marketing has certain ideas about what might sell, I want to make sure that everything's okay there. So that's usually my, my last check-in before the final there. I think that's my, my process is pretty straightforward in that regard. I think, you know, very like typical illustration, like sketch, block in the color, do the detail and that's it. Um, so nothing fancy. And, and everyone here, I'm, I'm curious, uh, all of you are working digitally, uh, correct. Um, but have any of you ever done covers or, uh, commissions that are, uh, physical mediums, you know, like physical, like paint on canvas or anything like that? Or is it more like the industry and the way it works and the way that, re um, revisions and, and, and changing concepts and all that does digital seem to be the most convenient and and approachable medium yeah i i abandoned i abandoned traditional media a long time ago because <laughs> i was moving so much i was moving all the time and i used to have a room with my my thing was acrylics and markers and and uh, you know ink it's like a kind of mixed media but then I started moving so much at some point I, I you know, I, I stopped because it was just too crazy to carry around all that stuff. And, you know, I was doing more, more digit, more and more digital stuff on, on my own though. They, that was, that was pre pre covers. So even, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll doodle sometimes, especially for my kids, but I, yeah, I don't do any, any traditional right now. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Anyone should pay me for traditional. <laughs> what was that? I don't think anyone should pay me for traditional, considering my lack of skills. So, same for for the first for the first probably good ten years of my uh, career in games, I was doing all my maybe maybe even longer. Uh, I was doing all my uh, uh, concept art uh, in, in traditional media, and then you know. Uh, be, Exactly as you said, for for convenience, I switched to digital. It was, you know, uh, the more uh, the more uh, comfortable I was getting, uh, you know, with the digital media, uh, the the lazier I got, you know, because traditional uh, traditional media, you know requires some certain you know some certain discipline uh it's less forgiving and you know with 
with my uh, workday being constantly interrupted by meetings, you know, you 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 paint for 15 minutes, you're all a mess, your hands are dirty, you know, you have to run, uh, you know, wash your hands, you know, for a meeting, get out. I, I actually used to joke and say, you know, the only difference between traditional media and digital media is that when you use traditional media, you have to you to wash your hands before you go to the bathroom as well. Uh, <laughs> like a mechanic. Yeah, very much so. So, uh, you know, o o over time, the convenience of, of the, you know, and then not to mention the undos, which are mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. know, the best thing ever. Uh, being history. having a long history and going fifty steps back, uh, you know. Oh my goodness! Or being able to save multiple versions of a single project. I I never do that, uh, and I w wish I had the discipline to do that. But I I've paid uh, dearly for not doing it. Uh, you know, many times. <laughs> Just gotta click save. Just gotta click save. Book covers are probably more for. Jamie Jones. Yeah. I think Michael Whalen still does. Sam Weber. Uh, Stormlight. Cover. Tron Gwynn. Yeah, 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 that's Whalen. true. And um, uh, Luke, we'll, we'll jump to you. I want to get everyone's uh, opinions because we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but at what point do you feel um, that you are satisfied with the final product, but also the, the author or the publisher? giving you the thumbs up that like, yeah, I'm satisfied with this as well. So what has that been like for you, Luke? Um, as far as working with clients, it's been pretty smooth. Um, I'll, you know, once we've gone through it enough, I'll sort of give my input and say like, Hey, like, I think this looks good. You know, got it. Is there anything else that you wanted to incorporate? If there is, we'll go back and forth. It's, in, it's usually a very uh, sweet process for me. As far as my own covers, I'm never satisfied. I think I'm done when I get to the point of hating looking at the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm tired of my own work. Done with it. Yeah, I totally understand that. For me, when I was when I was doing tattoos, it was kind of like the design process. I always got to that point where I'm like, just like tired of this but then i i get that whole next level of satisfaction when i would actually put it onto somebody's skin and be like i'm happy yeah exactly again. you know <laughs> yeah speaking of an unforgiving medium holy shit tattoos is, <laughs> it's permanent and people you know but it's this weird yeah. thing where um regardless of everything that i would put into it uh whether it's design work whether it's the actual tattoo itself I would always tell clients, you know, I've done 50% and that's the most I can do in this circumstance. The other 50% is in your hands because it's on your body. You have to go through the healing process and take care of the tattoo. And then you have to take care of the tattoo for the rest of your life in the sense of if you're going to go to the beach, put on some sunscreen, you know, or that thing's going to fade over time. So I would always be very explicit about that. But a lot of the times is disappointing when you know i would i would create an aftercare 
mm-hmm. form that I would give to clients and be like, this is how you take care of your tattoo. And some people just don't listen. And I would get messages. Oh, I went on a beach trip like the weekend after I got my tattoo and this happened and it's fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It is because you went to the beach and you <laughs> swam and you had sun exposure and all this different stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. Daniel, like you say, it's super unforgiving. Um, which is where the exhaustive element of, of being a tattoo artist comes in. And now I'm relaxed and doing <laughs> podcasts. So it's all good. <laughs> I feel like o- over time, I don't actually understand what they're getting themselves into. And I'm speaking of somebody who has tattoos as well. Yeah. It's not just letting somebody ink your body and then going, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I've seen I mean, some you, can look, you can look at my arms. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I have That's enough what evidence. Do, you know? <laughs> Over time, I've gotten, uh, you know, many requests for uh, artwork, uh, for concept art that I did for, you know, games early in my uh, career, for people to tattoo tattoo those designs on, you know, hey, uh, this was the game that opened my eyes to video games in 1993, 1995, you know, would you still have that piece of artwork? And invariably uh, i say that i lost it i don't have it anymore because <laughs> i look at it and and i'm like dude this is bad art i'm not gonna do this to you i don't care how much you love it I, i'm not gonna make it available to you say again I'm curious to uh, what games uh, you're talking about from that. There was this game called Secret of Evermore, which was kind of a, a kind of a, a continuation or in the same spirit of Secret of Mana. It was a square square game. Uh, it was the the, my, the first game I uh, ever worked on in 1993 through 95, and it, to this day it has this kind of a cult following. I don't know. I really don't understand what it was, but but you know, uh, people absolutely love it and think it was the best thing ever. And I'm like, what in the well, please world? Please don't put it out on your body. Don't tattoo. <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, you know funny story about a, a, a tattoo. Uh, when we were about to release Guild Wars Two. I designed the logo for the game, and it was one of those things where you know it, you know, negotiated and, and negotiating it with marketing it went on for 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 weeks and months, and eventually my boss said, "I don't like anything I'm getting from the advertising. You, why don't you get busy and do something over the weekend?" And I did this one thing, and he loved it, and you know, it was adopted. Uh, as the logo for the game and we had this one uh, programmer who was so in love with the logo that he took it right away uh and to a tattoo parlor and, and he tattooed it like gigantic on the side of this dragon <laughs> on the side of his body huge huge and he came back and showed it to us and i, I was rolling my eyes but then you know i i, I uh, with a couple of uh, colleagues, we agreed to pull this prank on him. And, you know, next day by the water cooler, we were kind of talking amongst ourselves. He was on the side making his coffee. And I, I was like, uh, have you heard that they changed the logo to Guild Wars? 
<laughs> the guy just went pale. I mean, you could see the blood drain out of his face. <laughs> dude, dude, don't faint on me. We were just kidding. And he's like, just messing Fuck with you. <laughs> And of all places, he chose to get it on his ribs, which is one of the worst, most painful spots on the body to get a tattoo. I think he was so a little bit of a masochist, so he did that. Every, everyone know. who has tattoos is a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Um, does anyone else want to want to um, you know be sidelined with tattoos? But. Uh, on this point of of satisfaction and and feeling like the project is finished from both the, your side as the artist but also from the publisher or the author if anyone wants to jump in i, I um at least for me it's a it's a mix of things between uh the budget the time i've put on it if i like it already if the client is already super pumped about it i feel like that all comes to a point where all right i think we're done and yeah so it's it's not it's not very specific because you can you can doodle for you can you can you know polish polish work forever if you wanted to so it's a balance of you know money time satisfaction in general at least for me yeah it's kind of just a vibe yeah i mean there's usually a certain honestly I tend to feel like I maybe overpolish the stuff that I do for other people because I'm a little bit anxious about, you know, it being good for other people versus this personal work that I do. Um, so I probably work it just like a day or two too long. But usually I will send like a last, almost final thing to the AD or the author. And then most of the time they don't really have too many comments or if they do a small, then they'll spend the extra day or two doing the final touches. Yeah, Alyssa, Daniel, what about you? I I tend when I um, uh, more often than not the deadlines that uh, I get are are pretty loose, uh, and you know I have plenty of time. But I like to start relatively early and get it almost done, or almost to to the point where I feel it's done, and then put it away and sit on it, and you know open it again every few days and invariably when i open it i'm like oh my god i hate this thing and then i touch that uh, that particular thing and put it away and i feel like it's 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 really done now and that few days later i open it again oh my god i didn't see this this really bugs me so i allow for for several revisions that are uh, totally you know uh, uh, self-inflicted it's 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 not feedback from the client that uh, prompts them but you know i i do that all the way to the deadline and then i i send it in and fingers crossed and the period between when i send it and when i hear back uh you know those few hours uh, are unnerving as hell you know <laughs> And um, Alyssa, actually, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I struggle with the last like 5% of a piece. So I actually do exactly what Daniel does is like continue to keep pointing it away, give myself time for my eye to readjust. And so, and keep going back to it until I feel like I'm like, okay, I think, I think I've gotten everything that's going to bother me about it. Um, and luckily the art directors have never given me trouble about that. But um, the one time I really wasn't satisfied with a piece, it must've been mutual because like, after I turned in, like many months later, 
they kill, they ended up kill, marketing killed the piece. And I was like, ah, I guess my instincts were <laughs> on target there. Um, so that was kind of really the only situation where I was just, I don't think I can make this better than it is. And mm-hmm. I guess they agreed. So like we're um, both in agreement. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> not show anybody this. <laughs> and, That's uh, interesting because I feel like I do have that day or two after instinct, but then after that one pass, for whatever reason, my eyes are like, "That's cool." <laughs> so it takes me like another month. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the oh no. <laughs> Old artifact. It's rough. Looking at something a year later or more, it's like actually, it's weird. I have that. Day after is bad. Month later, I'm like, oh no. And then a year later, I'm, I go, oh, yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's like, oh shit, what have I done? Um, does anyone have any any experiences that they want to share of actually holding a physical copy of a of a book that you've done the cover for? I have all the yeah. books. All the books I ever did covers for, you know, I have a big, big closet and it's full and now I'm piling things uh, up against the wall and, and, and uh, yeah, it's becoming a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem. Well, exactly. The kids always tell me, hey, dad, there's always eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say you sign it and, you know, that will increase its value. Oh, come on. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> they can take over that. That's their inheritance. Oh. So go, go for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyone else have some uh, experiences they want to share about, uh, you know, seeing their, their physical book with, uh, with their cover on it? I don't think it, it's, it's, I think for me personally, it's always just going to be a surreal thing because it's not something I ever could have imagined myself doing. If you asked me like 10 years ago, like, hey, are you going to do book covers? Like, <laughs> probably would have looked the other way. But um, doing it for clients and definitely, you know, getting to see my own book sitting on my shelf or in a bookstore and knowing like that's, hey, like I did my own covers. It's always really surreal. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's trippy i have a few that uh, a couple i bought uh, a few the authors will send to me and every time he's like oh my god i did that that's i never i like look i never thought i was gonna end up doing covers until i you know i just decided to take the step but yeah it's i have a little shelf there with a bunch it's it's it's, it's awesome i love it you'll show your kids and be like be proud of your dad yeah, yeah. At some point, when when they when they actually talk and understand, they'll they'll get. It, I and hope. Then, and then they'll read those books and be like, "Holy shit, this is not what I was expecting." It's like you know, Rob yeah. Hayes, pretty violent stuff. You know, Dude, Michael Fletcher. Fletcher. Get yeah. it? <laughs> like, who are you doing covers for? <laughs> My yeah, kids exactly. are gonna read mine someday and go, "Dad, what the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure like they'll be really thing. proud. I, I would like, hope so. Dad, I'm proud, but you're twisted. I love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not if they're teenagers, but before or after that. Exactly. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's twisted in a different way than Michael Fletcher's twisted. Yeah. It's like, kids, you I can't read this until after you graduate. <laughs> Go ahead, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, I don't know if you've all had this experience. But what is really exciting for me is... Growing up, I read most of my books from the library. Um, and so whenever I, I like go to my local library, which I do pretty frequently, 
I don't know it's coming, right? But sometimes I'll go to the new book section and once in a while, a cover I did will be in the new book section. And that's really the most, like, it feels so real to know that just people can just check this out and like thousands of hands are going to touch this book. And it's just, it feels very legitimate. Um, so that's yeah. a really amazing feeling. Yeah. That's really nice. And Priscilla, what about you? Oh, uh, <laughs> kind of depends on how I feel about the final image. <laughs> if I don't like it, like, or if I ended up not liking it after a while, then I just feel a little bit weird. And then I kind of slowly put it away. <laughs> um, if I didn't like it, then it's really cool. Uh, definitely the first time was just like, oh, holy shit, look at this. I, I have a physical copy of my book, my work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had that experience with having it at Booksburg because I haven't really done much traditional publishing in that um, sense. But I kind of get like a, what's what's the word when, uh, compersion effect when I see the work of friends on just like randomly in the bookstore when I'm there. I'm like, oh, look, hey, it's their stuff. Send them a little picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now Priscilla, you and Alyssa and Daniel have, I mean, Daniel, you have the most experience in the video game industry. I'm curious how, um, we touched on it a little bit, but how your, your experiences with that also, Daniel, you've done stuff for, for films and, and advertising, how those experiences, um, compare to uh, doing stuff for publishers, doing book covers and that kind of thing. You know, Alyssa, you said it was a lot more uh, streamlined than the stuff that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. But if any of you want to jump in and add a little bit more comparison uh, between those industries and publishing and book covers. Well, I, you know, I'm happy to chime in. Uh, I, I would agree that uh, book covers by comparison are are uh, you know pretty uh straightforward and uh, rewarding and uh, you know it's just the fact that that uh, the project stretches over you know a few weeks and it's done it's uh, if it if you are happy with the results you enjoy that uh, uh high briefly and if it's not you put it behind you while video games development uh takes years and it's it's it, it it's a kind of a an emotional roller coaster with satisfactions and frustrations of all kind and uh, so it's it's an ongoing thing it's it's like a a chronic condition Versus a, you know, <laughs> a quick cold, uh, so uh, yeah, but it's it's uh, rewarding nonetheless. My favorite part of of uh, video games development is and art direction isn't necessarily you know the uh, doing concept art, but but uh, the, in a broader sense, uh, IP development and. and you know, uh, kind of the ideation and uh, uh, doing what I call uh, inspirational art rather than production design or or blueprints for production. So, and that's that's uh, really engaging. And and also there's the aspect of uh, building art teams and uh, you know mentoring artists, attracting talent. It's it's super super rewarding. I mean the the 
many artists that you know started their careers working for me that I hired straight out of school like Jamie Jones and Richard Anderson and Kekai Kotaki and Levi Hawkins and a whole a whole slew of Theo Prince uh, you know they are huge nowadays are are just rock stars and they all all got their first opportunity uh, working on on uh, my team and it's it nothing's as rewarding as as feeling that or as knowing that you've had a, a role in in uh, their formation and and uh, you know you've basically shared everything everything you knew uh, to help them grow and then also knowing when to let them go and you know spread their wings and and take off and and go somewhere else uh, so it, that that's very 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 uh, satisfying yeah i can imagine i didn't know jamie jones was was on guildwars he's he's at top right now he's like his master he's, he's a freak of nature i mean he's <laughs> the legend he's the thing and you know, Jamie Jones was still in school. I think he was in the fourth year and uh, on a full scholarship. And I discovered him, you know, online and I contacted him and said, hey, dude, uh, you know, are you really learning anything? And she said, well, truth be told, I don't feel like I'm learning anything, but I'm on this, uh, I have this sweet uh, deal on a full scholarship and my mom would kill me if i if i gave it up <laughs> and i said well uh can i talk to your mom and uh, uh you know basically i i explained that the kid is wasting his time and, and you know he, he he'll learn more uh if if he you know really gets his hands dirty and uh, and, and experiences the realities of, of the industry and uh, he did and you know many years he was on on uh, my team and then at one point he decided hey i think i've i've learned as much as i can here and i said i i can't agree more you know it, it's been a while that now that i've been learning from him and uh, so by all means uh, you know fly away and and he did and that that the were he's not the only one you know quite quite a, a slew of, of uh really really but i don't i don't want to take any credit for for you know who he is now the the, the guy had a, 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 you know a work ethics and the determination and the maturity way way beyond his age i mean when he was you know 19 he he would talk like an an old wise guy about art and you know that blew my mind yeah it's about giving them the platform to to realize their their potential essentially yeah priscilla you wanted to say something going back a little as far as the differences that i've seen i haven't actually worked as a concept artist studio but given as i worked next to alongside concept artists um for a while the differences I saw versus doing book cover stuff was just basically a lot more iteration and concepts. Obviously, it's not really about the finished product as much either. It's 
the ideation, um, as Nina mentioned. And it's also, I feel like, a lot easier for your work to just disappear and not be ever to be seen again um, when you're doing kinds of stuff in a studio. Especially if the project gets canceled, but even if it doesn't, um, the ability to release that stuff is not really necessarily up to you. And comparing that to um, like a, like, oh yeah, entertainment, like so film and TV stuff, it feels like the timelines for film and TV and editorial are super short, but the pay is super high also um, comparatively because of that intense timeline and, uh, you know, iterating back and forth. Yeah, and also the crazy investments that go into film and TV. Although video games yeah. is is pretty much on par with that, just millions and millions yeah, of dollars. I think, I think film is still another degree <laughs> yeah, beyond that, because yeah. I mean, a ten million film is a tiny film. Well, ten million game is is a is a tiny game. No, it's it is. Yeah, it's it's well. getting pretty small. A hundred million game is a it's starting to be something and you know uh, there it's not unheard of games going into half a billion and beyond and uh, you know it's it's crazy absolutely crazy yeah Alyssa, do you have any yeah the budget uh, games definitely inflated so much yeah for sure Alyssa, do you have any uh, experiences from from video games that you wanted to share and sort of related to uh book publishing I think one big difference that I notice is like books kind of live way more in isolation than when you're in development on a video game is there's just on games, there's so many dependencies, like your work touches everybody else's work. And as things develop, what you're working on might diverge. And so when you see what other sections are doing, you might have to kind of take it back in or like go back and like kind of keep everything going. And I think kind of what Daniel was saying about it be just being a much more organic process of like, working and developing as you go, you know, you can't really figure it out just at the beginning. Um, that process is just so different um, compared to book covers, which in my experience has been very like, series is the closest it gets. It's like, I have to relate to my past self um, or like adapt to what the author is doing now. And like, that's as close as it gets for me. But yeah, games feel very unique in that way. Yeah. And, and in terms of this uniqueness, you know, Luke, you have uh, the most experience with doing um, interior book design and uh, playing with things like typography and that kind of thing. Can you elaborate a little bit on your experiences with that and how you approach that um, in contrast to, you know, the more artistic uh, visual representation that you see on a, on a cover? Yeah. Um, so most of my interiors I've done for myself, um, but it's I, I think one of the things that that some people don't really appreciate is um, <clears throat> the presentation of the interior of the book, and it's not just necessarily like interior art or chapter headers or anything like that. It's the actual you know typography and formatting on the page. Because if you if the book comes too close to the edge of the page or depicted too wide, it's it's definitely going to look odd. Um, I've had my own experiences with that, but it it ties into the cover in a way that I think, you know, it ties into the cover as you're trying to make it as unique experience as possible. Um, at least that's the way I approach it. Um, I want people to be able to, you know, not strain their eyes, obviously, when they're reading. I want it to be very 
you know, smooth process. Yeah, because I, I, I think this is especially prevalent in self-publishing where yeah. um, the books are usually uh, print on demand or they're mm-hmm. printed with a small press, that kind of thing. And there's not a huge team behind a book who's doing exactly what you said, making sure that the, the space between the text and the, end, and the sides of the page are... Um, you know, enough that people feel like they're progressing through the book, but at the same time, they're not spending so much time on a single page. And I have some self-published books where it's like, there's like a pinky or less in between the words and the page. And I feel like I'm just like trying to wrap my head around the, the layout and it jars me and kind of pulls me out of the actual story itself, which is, I think just a, 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 shitty side effect of me being an artist and a reader and enjoying these things. But at the same time, my design instinct is saying like, no, yeah, no, it's not working. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's a lot of this, a lot of the traditionally published stuff now, not so much the self publish um, because obviously like, you know, budget is a thing that they have to adhere to. You see frequently, especially with the longer books, these like a smaller and smaller print size. and for me, like that's hard to look at for, you know, even like 20 minutes, it's hard to pay attention to. And I feel like for me, that's actually part of the reason why I've switched primarily to audiobooks within the last year. Yeah. And, um, I want to get into how, since all of you have taken different paths in order to get where you are, um, I'll toss this to you first, Felix, how you how you promote yourself as an artist um, and advice that you can give to aspiring artists, people who are listening to this or watching and want to get into cover design. I, I honestly, at this point, I feel like I sold my soul to the devil and that's where I, (laughs) you know, because it's, I don't, I don't. So the way I started was doing fan art and putting on, on online you know, on social media, like, I like a book, uh, you know, I, I always liked that. So I, I, when I was a kid, I would do the ND and Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. And then, um, with the indie industry, after I read Abercrombie, I started reading all these other, other people, Joe Abercrombie, that I started reading all the indies and, uh, like, oh, this is, this is so amazing. I started doing fan art and just posting it. And that was my marketing. And then when they started hiring me, well, I would post the cover. So that was, that's the marketing. And then word of mouth took over so it's a mix of i just post post uh, my stuff on on facebook and art station and 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 that's it that's pretty much i don't i don't really do ads i don't you know it's it's a long process though it it, it took a few years to take off but it happened so organically that it it gave me time to to develop and uh make connections and, and I guess make a reputation. Uh, and that, that was pretty much it. It was like a slow process, but, um, marketing itself, I, that, that's it. That's pretty much what I did. Yeah. It's like word of mouth type thing. Right. And, uh, I guess for new, yeah, word of mouth for, for newer artists, I feel like you really have to put a lot of time on, on, on education and practice. Like I would spend, 
hours of the day just watching videos online uh, of, of the pros, like buying, buying, um, you know, Gumroad, they have the tutorials or, or, um, there's all, there's like, a, right now, when I was a kid back in the eighties, there was not even internet. Now you can buy a class online and just watch the whole thing. Like they're just, everything you need is online. And I, I would say if you're starting out, watch, practice, learn, make connections with other artists and, and, you know, professionals, if you can, and, and put yourself out there. And I think that's, it's, it's a long process for some people it takes less, I guess, but I think it's, you really have to want to be an artist because there's so many people out there doing the same thing. So it's, you really have to have grit and, and, and a focus and, uh, you really want to have learn and, and self edit, like look at your work and say, Hey, this can be better. Like, don't, don't, don't be happy where you are or just a little degree higher. Look, look up to the, like the great, great artists. And if you're halfway that level, great, but look like point all the way up. That's, that's the only way I think. Yeah. And Daniel, you've touched on this as well. Just grit, hard work have a passion for it. You know, you don't have to be a wise old man or anything like that, but, but really dedicate yourself to learning, you know, um, does anyone else want to share how they, how they promote themselves in this space? Um, but also advice for, uh, aspiring artists and, and people who want to get involved in all this. If anyone wants to jump in. Uh, I'll go. I oh no, go ahead, Priscilla. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it's going to be a bit random. So. Okay. Well, well, Alyssa, um, Alyssa, and then and then Priscilla afterwards. Okay. Um, I'm terrible at marketing myself myself on social media. Um, <laughs> people have no idea who I am. It's not great. Uh, I was really fortunate. Is um, I got my start in book covers because of of a portfolio review I did at a at a convention um, with one of my future art directors, Irene Gallo. And kind of what Felix was saying is like, education is so much more accessible than ever before. And I think a lot of industry professionals actually are very accessible. Um, I've seen so many opportunities for not just like art directors looking for artist specific portfolio reviews, but just random artists in the industry um, are really generous and host portfolio reviews. So if you want to get a sense of where you're if it's hard for you to be like, where am I compared to those those great artists? You know, getting some uh, uh, professional eyes for specifically the corner of the industry that you really want to, because there's different standards for for all different sections. So, seeking out one of those professionals and being like, hey, like being polite, of course, you know, can you take a look and give me some hints? Like that stuff is really great. Um, and I think also getting comfortable with asking questions of all the people around you. Like once you're in the industry, like. They are your resources. All the people around you, they know so much. Um, they And usually everybody's really, really nice. So definitely ask those questions and also ask questions of yourself. I find, you know, and I still do this, like a lot of times I'll look, look at art, my art and I'll be like, well, that's bad, you know, but like <laughs> thinking about like why it's bad and, you know, being like, why am I unsatisfied with this? Um, I often see folks kind of get in a rut where they're just like making the same mistakes for years. Um, instead of like really stopping and like turning on the critique brain you use on other people's art on your own art and being specific and not just getting down on yourself, but being constructive about it. 
Um, so that's that's my advice, no matter where you are, um, skill wise. I think that applies to life in general. <laughs> learn how to critique yourself and learn from your mistakes and move forward with uh with a better attitude and a and a better approach. Uh Priscilla, you want to go for it? Self-knowledge is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh on top of everything else that was said, I think also um goal setting and kind of figuring out what you want to do and what specifically aiming for really helps a lot. And I know this is always an easy question to answer, especially if you have a lot of different interests and you like a lot of things, but kind of figuring out what you like to do, which may not be the same thing as what you like to look at, uh, honestly, mm-hmm. um, is I think pretty important for figuring out where you want to go. And um, uh, for me, I honestly can't really trace how I got to where I am. I think a lot of it was just going to in-person meetings and conventions and making friends with people and doing portfolio reviews and occasionally people would keep my contact info. And at a certain point, um, at a certain point, I don't know where people are finding me. They just show up in my email inbox. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've mostly been able to, I think, get where I am because I've been able to take courses with very accessible and very knowledgeable mentors and um, peers. And I think the peers part is important as well. You don't want to just like pursue knowledge from people who are way above you. You also want to make friends with people who are at your similar level so you can help each other up uh, and take advantage of everything that is out there. There's so much free stuff. I do think the kids these days are actually <laughs> benefiting from that, though, because I feel like I keep seeing younger and younger people who are amazing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but it's also... Oh, I will also say... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Um, I do sometimes feel like I see an overemphasis on social media presence as being a key part of success. And I do think it can be a key, a marker of success or a path to success, but it's not the only one. Certainly. Um, I have very few followers. I'm not good at social media either or self-promotion. I, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think follower count a lot of the time. It doesn't count for nothing. You know, it's not like, oh, it counts for shit, but it's, it doesn't count for everything, you know? And so you bring up a good point there. Don't assume that the amount of followers that you have on ArtStation or Instagram or Twitter or whatever counts for so much because a lot of that can be artificial. You know, there are bots out there, but there are also people who pay for followers. So don't just assume. Um, But you also touched on resources. I think, yes, there's, an immense amount of resources of tutorials and, and stuff on YouTube, stuff that's free or paid classes on different online education platforms. But another thing is the accessibility of technology and the stuff that people can actually use to draw. It doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, you have to go to an art store and know everything about every different medium. It's like, you can get an iPad and an Apple pencil and just create, you know, I think procreate is $10 or something like that. It's, it's nothing. And so the accessibility to, um, art technology is unbelievably advanced compared to when we were, when we were kids. So it's like, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can, you know, if you have the means to get that kind of stuff, you know, but then it comes down to if you just have a pencil and a piece of paper, you can you can already start too. So the entrance to art is is endless. 
Um, and Luke, uh, if you want to share a little bit about your experience with, with promoting yourself, but then also advice for those who are looking to get into the game. I'm the worst person to ask about that. Don't 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 um, laugh, man. Take yourself seriously. <laughs> I do take myself seriously, but I'm being honest. I just kind of stumble into things and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um I think as far as promotion goes, um you know, being your most genuine is always gonna help. Um especially, you know, like again this touches back on the social media thing too. Like it comes down to like I said, being genuine, you don't want to be one of those people who's constantly like spams. Like people want to, you know, interact with an actual person, have conversations. And I think um, just you know making connections don't. And I think that sort of touches in the writing too. With the writing community, is don't look at like you can look at other people's resources, which you know in professions they are, but you don't want to look at them as like you know rungs on a ladder. You want to make personal exactly. connections, not just like people meaningful connections yeah exactly yeah you know because doing this podcast is the kind of thing where i i have made so many meaningful connections and it's not like oh this author is so big and i want to have them on the podcast for the Mm -hmm. name recognition or some crap like that but it's like no it's it's more about the content they produce you know with all of you it's the content you produce and the the genuine nature through which you put it out into the world. And, and, uh, I really appreciate that. And, and Daniel, um, since you're the most experienced here, if you want to share a little bit about, um, your promotion, I guess at this point, a lot of people are coming to you as opposed to you promoting yourself, but also advice for, for newcomers to the industry. Yeah. Uh, for you, uh, other than a few, short interruptions or or, uh, gaps between jobs in the past. Uh, I've always been employed full time. uh, Therefore, I I, uh, only had limited time for freelance work. uh, And I was lucky enough to get enough work uh, to to fill my my, uh, weekends. Never really had uh, the need to to promote myself um that being said as as far as uh, social social media presence i i other than art station i i don't do facebook i don't do Instagram, i don't do any of that uh i i'm a big believer in networking especially encourage young artists to to network but network selectively and uh, you know uh pay attention uh, to the feedback you get and don't get uh, too confident simply because you get hundreds of you know thumbs up and hearts and smileys on, on whatever you know because uh, and praises uh on any forums because it's very likely that the majority of them come from 12 year olds who have no clue what they're talking about and they you know they get excited and go gaga uh, over anything and uh, you know just to sh- sh- shower 
people with praises rather you know identify a, a few people you look up to and try to seek their genuine feedback and and make that that type of meaningful contact um, as far as access to uh, information and as you know in internet as a resource it is absolutely mind-blowing and uh, you know its depth is is uh, you know endless that being said it's it's a mixed blessing uh, uh, it, it can be confusing there can be too many conflicting influences and temptations and oh my god there's this style and this style and what which way should i go and and also same same thing applies to all these tutorials where every every one you watch you're like oh my god that's what i should do uh, i i don't think that's the the right attitude towards uh, you know uh, self improvement but rather uh, you know as alyssa was saying uh, you know uh, honing your critical thinking and absorbing as much but then with a critical eye don't be just a consumer but but uh, uh, an analyst a, a, a critical thinker and deconstruct what you're seeing and and uh, assemble out of the the, the building blocks uh, uh, that you extract uh, assemble your own system of values and and your own philosophy and and the style your own style will will become the the natural expression of that um, there's you know nowadays with as you said with an, uh, an ipad and a pen and a ten dollars uh, piece of software you you know you can uh, you get the entry level in, in into this into this world of, of uh, artistic expression but uh, that shouldn't that's not enough to call yourself an artist and uh, you know there's uh, it's it's a mixed blessing i mean on one hand the access to information to learning is there but on the other hand you have to overcome the, the the noise and the millions of people who are out there, uh, you know, uh, making noise, adding to the noise, and, and basically drowning, drowning the talent in in this noise. And and you know, learning to to you know swim to the surface of this noise is 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 really challenging. Uh, there there's. I I I get uh, you know uh, portfolios you know every day not one but multiple portfolios and people who want to get a foot in the door and it is it is mind blowing the, the how high the percentage of people who have no business owning a pencil they should have restraining orders from pencils I I, I worry that they may hurt themselves. You know, make sure it's not too sharp for you because, uh, I mean, it's just, really? Uh, so, you know, I put myself in the shoes of the truly talented and hardworking one. And, and uh, you know, uh, the fact that they have to push out of their way or whatever to, to, to kind of navigate through all this uh, this noise is just feels like a, an overwhelming monumental monumental task and uh, so uh, 
I I I, I would never in 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 uh, full heartedly advise somebody, hey, try to become an artist. It's, that's the ticket. That's the that's the the way to a good living. I I can't do it because knowing you know the obstacles and the hard work and the grit and you know not. To beat around the bushes, but you know the the the, the role of pure luck that it takes, uh, uh, you know, to to succeed. So um, my heart goes out to them, but I wouldn't want to be uh, twenty again in this in this uh, <laughs> landscape now. Yeah. Well, does anyone does anyone have some final comments on how? Um, you know, I, I completely agree with you, Daniel, that it is a sea of noise and it's very difficult to push through, but that, that applies to pretty much every field, honestly. Um, you know, and with, with the hard work, with the grit, with the talent, um, it's not guaranteed that you will push through and make it, but does anyone have some, uh, some final comments on, on, a potential means by which people could you know make themselves stand out just a, a little bit more don't but i really have to go i'm so sorry no it's okay <laughs> yeah but uh thank you for having me on oh, priscilla it was an absolute pleasure thank you so much yeah nice to meet you nice meeting you does anyone does anyone have a uh, any ideas on how artists can make themselves stand out a little bit more not necessarily push through all the noise but um i guess it depends on the niche also what you're looking to do has a lot a lot of impact on on being an artist like what i'm doing right now is there's so many of them but if you have a style and a niche like the dream dark group i feel like you just need to find it. If you want to get into gaming, like with Daniel, that's, I think it's a lot harder. Um, cause I don't know. I think, I think it's more of a trend to go into that, into that field, you know, the art style at, at the moment. Um, like if you go on art station, everybody that's, I mean, so many people, so illustration might be easier in a, in a certain niche. I don't know. Uh, I think, but I think you, you just have to really dig and really research, 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 learn. Um, just keep at it, you know, <laughs> like really keep at it. And I think it happens it just for some people it's faster than with others. But um, at, at some point, if you put the energy, it, it pays off at some point. It can be years. It can be, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's subjective at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Anyone else with some final comments? I think it's kind of related to Felix's thing about research. It's like, if you just be a person, um, I think when, <laughs> when your number one passion is like looking at concept art, sometimes that can be really limiting because you're just going to regurgitate everything that you're seeing. But if your passion is, say, Russian architecture, and you just really love looking at it, learning about it, that's going to come into your work and your work's going to look different than somebody who isn't super into Russian architecture, which again, may or may not be helpful for you depending on where you're trying to go in the industry. But like, I think having interests and hobbies and things you're excited about learning, that's not just art, um, I think is helpful. You know, I've known people who don't have interests outside of art who do great. Um, but I think just generally it's, it's probably good 
for your mental health anyway. Yeah, I think it's beyond good for your health. I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, whatever you do artistically ha has to be an honest, genuine expression of the of the, of the things that interest and and eat you alive, whatever they are. <laughs> you know, when you pursue just style, indeed, it's 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 confusing and it's superficial and it's not who you are. But as you said, be a, be a genuine person, uh, and uh, you know, be vulnerable and uh, uh, be open to absorbing uh, influences from the world around you, and be observant. And eventually, it will it uh, accumulate and, and simmer and, and result in this kind of you know primordial soup that is uh, makes you who you are. And uh, eventually, inevitably, you'll you'll feel this this uh, you know irresistible urge to to share that. And uh, if you do it honestly, you know that's your style, that's your art, and take it or leave it. And and if it's if it's uh, you know if the emotions that you are sharing are of of more universal. Uh, you know, relevance, then they, they'll resonate and you'll be successful. If if your interests are, are very, very narrow and whatever, you are obsessed with something that nobody else is obsessed with, then you'll be your only fan. Uh, so, uh, but, but the bottom line is, uh, it has to be sincere and, and genuine and come from inside. Mm-hmm. I think that is a that is a perfect note to end on. Um, I wanna thank you all for being here. But uh, before we close, if each of you could recommend an artist, uh, someone whose work that you really appreciate, uh, who you admire, that you want to share with everybody as a um, a recommendation to to check out, uh, we'll start with you, Felix. Me? Oh, can you start with Daniel? Daniel will have a lot more and better people. No, we're starting with you. I chose you. <laughs> Me? Oh, man. Well, you know, we, we already mentioned a few from, from, from that Guild Wars school. I mean, I discovered all these people when they started back then. As soon as that game came out, I never played it, but I knew all the concept art, all the, like, advertising the videos, the everything. I devoured the whole media. I never played it. I didn't. I, I never played it either. Yeah, but all these names, Kekai Kotaki, Ruan Gia, you know, all the people. Ruan Gia, yeah. Good Lord. He's a god. He's I, a god. I, I, we, were talking, we were talking before earlier uh, about him because his level of, of rendering is absurd. He, he will transport you whatever he wants to. You know, he's, so I would say... That's he's a good name to look up because oh his work God. is his work is kind of fine arts, really, at that level, I think. And you know, he was literally sitting next to me, so I got to for 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 a long time to observe his 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 methodology and his process. Mm -hmm. And he gets to eighty percent in no time, in a matter of hours. Crazy. And it looks mind blowing and better than anything I, I, I could possibly achieve. 
But then, you know, if you leave him alone, he'll go at it for another three weeks. And you, you, you may, may ask yourself, was this really worth it? But once you start zooming in, yeah, uh, and it's not not about you know accuracy of detail or precision or something. Every it almost looks like every pixel consists of multiple colors, which is a, a, para, a paradox and impossibility. But every yeah. single tiny little. Uh, the the smallest unit of of surface it consists of a multitude of colors uh, and, and the vibration up close is it's just 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 you you I can inspect one of his pieces for forever and never get bored of it I don't know where you know where that comes from and he's the nicest guy ever and, and the, you know really humble and all of these guys, that's one thing they have in common. Jamie Jones, Kekai, uh, Richard, uh, Rangier, super, super humble, super hardworking, down-to-earth, funny, uh, nice people. Amazing. And Alyssa, what about you? Do you have an uh, artist recommendation? Yes, which I'm relieved about because I'm actually really bad at remembering names. Um, <laughs> Kathleen Jennings, uh, she's actually a writer and an artist. Uh, she's Australian. And she often works with this, these paper cut silhouettes to create her book covers and her art. And it's that kind of work that's, you know, it looks really simple, but you know, it's really, really hard. Um, but I, what I most appreciate about her is she does all these journal thoughts on thoughts on art, thoughts on writing. And, you know, it's just always exciting to see that passion that's sort of kind of about the craft and about things um, beyond just like just seeing the image. So that's something I really like about her. Cool. And then is that on her personal website that you can find that? I stuff? think so. Yeah. She's got her work and I think also it connects to a blog and you can read okay. her thoughts there. Awesome. And uh, Luke, what about you? An artist recommendation? Yeah. Um, so I found Peter Morbacher. I found through Instagram. Um, he does the Angelarium stuff, which is just really, it's super cool, very ethereal. Um, but I also have, I've really gotten into Jeremy Wilson's stuff. He, he uses a lot of negative space, which is something I'm trying to improve on because I think it's, it, it adds, it, it, it always comes out interesting. <laughs> Nice. And Daniel, we'll uh, finish off with you if you have a recommendation for an artist. You know, you know, I, I admire grit a lot. And uh, when it comes to grit, uh, the most inspiring artists are, are the guys who did it the hard way. You know, the, 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 the Renaissance artists, you know. I mean, look at Pieta, who, you know, the guy did it out of, out of marble at 21. You know, yeah. top that. Good luck. All right. <laughs> End of discussion. Who this or, day, who, who at this age is working with marble anymore anyways? Yeah. So they don't it, have the talent. Just, just <laughs> you know, that kind of uh, vision and, you know, uh, willingness to roll up your sleeves and and do things the hard way at that age you know that's that's to me so inspiring uh i i remember when i uh back in florence went to the uh, the 
museum where his work was and the the guide showed us one of his slaves that's really kind of rough uh, gorgeous but rough as, as a sculpture towards you know later in his life and and uh, he said check out this thing and he showed us behind behind on the back of the block there was this self-portrait of Michelangelo that he chiseled real quick and they uh, the, he said that that was the way he was marking the blocks he would go to the quarry and pick a block and to make sure he they don't cheat him and then deliver a different block a cheaper you know uh, another you know a piece of stone he would take a, the chisels and 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 quick do a self portrait on the back and good luck <laughs> replicating that <laughs> so, just putting my stamp on it yeah crazy yeah try beating that yeah so uh, can't can't oh my god <laughs> all right well uh thank you all so much for for joining me um just really quickly if you could let listeners and viewers know where they can find your work whether that's instagram twitter art station uh personal website uh what have you uh felix um my you can find me on facebook felix ortiz and and art same with art station just look up felix ortiz and um it's pretty easy that yeah <laughs> that's that's the two places i mean i i have instagram and twitter but i i don't really use those i i, I don't have the time but yeah oh, art station enough. i would say Cool. Yeah. And Alyssa, where can people find you? Uh, most of my, my real work lives on uh, AlyssaWinans.com. And then if you're interested in seeing my pen sketches, which are totally different, um, I'm on Instagram uh, as A-L-A Winans. So those awesome. are the two main places. Cool. And Luke? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Luke underscore Tarzian, or um, website as well, TarzianBookDesign.com. Fantastic. And Daniel? Yeah, uh, the only place I post stuff is on ArtStation. I haven't posted any recent work in two years because it's all it's all uh, still, uh, uh, you know, unpublished, uh, but it's it's building up. I've, I've been working more intensely than than, uh, you know, ever. And uh, soon, I think I'll get to the point where I am allowed to post a whole bunch of stuff so hopefully there's hopefully a, there's it will a, be well received there's going to be a massive explosion of daniel dutchy artwork coming yeah. <laughs> that's my plan awesome well i'm i'm looking forward to seeing all that and thank you all for joining me i really appreciate it you know this is an amazing opportunity for me because i love science fiction and fantasy. I love books, but I also love art and I'm very passionate about it. So to be able to talk about all this with all of you, hear your experiences has been very meaningful. So Felix, Alyssa, Luke, Daniel, and Priscilla, she had to leave early, but uh, thank you all for, for joining me. Oh, thank, thank you, you for, having for having us. Thank you. Yeah. we have it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our panel on SFF cover art and design. 
Thank you again to our panelists this episode, Daniel, Alyssa, Felix, Priscilla, and Luke. Also, since Priscilla left the chat early, she wasn't able to share her social media info. You can find her on Instagram at Priscilla Kim Art, on ArtStation at ArtStation.com slash Priscilla Kim, or on her personal website, Priscilla-Kim.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate and review us on your platform of choice, and share us with your friends. It helps a lot and we greatly appreciate it. You can also follow SFF Addicts on Twitter or Instagram at SFF Addicts Pod for updates and more. And you can follow me, Adrian M. Gibson, on Twitter or Instagram at Adrian M. Gibson. SFF Addicts is part of fanfiaddict.com, so make sure to check us out there for the latest in book reviews, essays, and all things sci-fi and fantasy, as well as the full episode archive for the podcast. And for all your literature needs, head over to thebrokenbinding.co. UK. All music comes courtesy of the talented Astronauts. Check them out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash S-T-R-O-N-O-Z. All links for the episode are also available in the show notes. Now, keep reading, keep imagining, and we'll see you next time on SFF Addicts. <laughs>